So we are continuing um, a sermon series this morning um, called Held Together by Mercy. Um, it comes out of the book of Romans. We've started in Romans chapter 12 and are making our way through chapter 15. Um, the first 11 chapters of Romans, they explain what has been done on our behalf, that while we were enemies, instead of God rejecting us, he gave a son for us. The, son, the life of his son for our life. Chapter 12 says, therefore, because of the mercies of God, live like this. And that's our little hinge there. And everything in this sermon series is that because of the mercies of God, um, it's not always easy. It's not always what we want. All these relationships, but look what he did for us. Can we now respond to that and live in these ways? And this morning, our topic is debt. This morning, I was sitting on my little patio. Um, we have moved into an apartment as we're in between homes. And I'm sitting on this little patio, and each Sunday morning, I come out and I sit on this patio, sometime between 6.30 and 7 in the morning, and I try and pray some and just kind of get ready for Sunday morning. Um, and across from me, the, the courtyard, it's not very long, there's another place over there, and there's another guy that comes out at the same time. Um, and we've kind of, you know, we've got a little relationship. We say hi to each other. Um, and he brings his dogs out. Um, and there's somebody else that wants to join us every Sunday morning. My cat. He's an indoor cat, but he really wants to be out there with me. And this is what he does. You come to that back door, and it's a, you can see it's got the window here. And so there's a blinds that go down, but they're not hooked at the bottom. So he comes and he knocks them out of the way. And you hear this clunk, 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 clunk. And he reaches up, and there's even those handles that are the long handles for your hands. He's trying to open the door, and you hear him hitting the handle. And he's doing that the whole time I'm out there. And this morning, I thought, his little cat brain is not thinking this through. Right? He really is not thinking about the future. Really, what he sees is, I want outside. And that's all he thinks about. Because if he thought about what would happen once he got out there, for example, my cat hates people. Like, every time people come to the house, the cat hides the whole time. There's a lot of people in this apartment complex. I mean, lots of people. Number two, he lives off cat food, not birds. And I'm pretty sure that if my cat got out, he would die of starvation. But the worst is this. The guy that I always talk to, the reason he comes out, he brings his dogs out to use the restroom. There are two dogs sitting right there. But my cat wants out. That, to me, is a picture of debt. That cat, all he can see is, I want out. I want this immediate thing right here. Get me through that door. But the moment he got through that door, there are some consequences he hasn't really thought through. There are some issues in his life that are going to come up as those dogs, because he doesn't leash his dogs. They're really well-behaved. I'm not sure how well-behaved if my cat got out, but they are well-behaved. That is debt. It is... There's something that I want, and I'm going to get it right now, even though I don't necessarily have the funds to get it, and maybe not thinking about the fact that for the next five years, I'm going to be paying X number of dollars every month. And you know what? Actually, I want this thing too. And so I add that to it, and I add something else to it, and I add something else to it, and pretty soon I am crushed under this debt that I had to have, that immediate thing, and then the consequences are hitting me. Today, we're going to talk about debt. What does God call us to in the area of debt? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we open your word, 
by your spirit, would you speak to us? Uh, Whatever we may be going through, whatever debt we may or may not have, Lord, just help us to see your truth. Help us to see the calling in our lives that in your mercy you saved us and now you call us to something. Help us to see that this morning and to be open to it. In Christ's holy name we ask it. Amen. If you would, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, we are in verse 8. And what you're going to see this morning are three things. A command, an exception to that command, and then the reason. Why is that exception there? In fact, most of this passage is actually on the reason why the exception is there. Here's the command. Owe no one anything. That's it. That's his main command right here. It drives everything else in this paragraph. And it comes out of the previous verse where he said in verse 7, and we talked about this last week, pay to all what is owed to them. Remember, he started by saying, be subject to the governments. But toward the end, he broadened it. And he just said, pay to anybody what you owe them. If it's money, pay them money. If it's respect, give them respect. If it's honor, give them honor. Well, now he gives the flip side of that coin. The positive pay to all, now the flip side is don't owe anybody anything. And that's where he goes into this verse here. Don't owe anyone anything. Now that word owe, in Greek it is a present tense verb that carries this idea. Do not continue to be obligated. Do not continue to owe. It's not saying that you're a terrible person if you're in debt right now. That's not his point. His point is to make progress. Don't just continue to be where you are, but pay the debts. And by the way, because it's so open, that debt is not limited to money. This is debt. Back here, first thing, it was honor and respect. And I mean, just think about it this way. Let's start with money. Have you ever been in a place where you owed somebody 20 bucks and it took you a half a year to pay it off? Like you kept seeing them, oh, I forgot the money again. You just kept seeing them and seeing them. That would be one instance of just pay your debt off. But let's take it further. Right now, today, do you owe somebody an apology? Is there somebody that has done something and you, have, you really need to go, and maybe it's even repentance? Do you owe somebody a thank you? Do you owe somebody a kind word? I mean, what is it in your life that, like, when you see a particular person, you think, I really need to, but you don't? Right? That's the don't owe anybody anything. It's that broad. Right? From money to honor to something as simple as a, I should have said thank you to somebody a long time ago for what they did. And I never did it. I don't owe anybody anything. That's where Paul gets on this. Right? Why? You can, I'm going to give you a bunch of verses here, just three of them. I'm not asking you to follow along, but if you're taking notes, you can write them down. I will read you the verses, but I want to show you biblically what debt is. Right? This is from Proverbs 22 and verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, And the borrower is the slave of the lender. If you are in debt, you are enslaved. That's how the Bible views debt. If you are in debt, you are enslaved. And think of it in this way. If I owe that credit card company a certain amount of money, that is money I cannot use for something else. I owe it to them. If I decide not to pay it, there can be worse ramifications to that. If I owe you 
fact, there was somebody sitting here actually in the congregation last service. Um, I owed him 10 bucks. And, and I brought it up because as I'm praying, I'm like, I owe you $10 still. But like every time I see him, I think I owe him money. Um, I want to get a little ashamed or a little embarrassed. It's only 10 bucks. But that is controlling my reactions. When you are in debt, you are enslaved. And don't hear me, it's not, I'm not talking about slavery like what we had you know, in our country. I'm not talking about, but there is a form of slavery when you owe somebody because they, hold, they can hold it over you. Number two, this is out of Numbers chapter 30 and verse two. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. I will tell you that debt is an issue of integrity. When you don't repay your debts, it is breaking your integrity. I understand maybe it's this you know, faceless credit card company. Maybe it's this person that you've hardly even talked to. But you owe something. And when you don't fulfill it, you are breaking your integrity. Number three, this is out of James, chapter four, verses 13 and 14. Today or tomorrow, uh, sorry, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. There is a time element to our debt. I'm not trying to be morbid at all by saying this, but you are closer to death right now than when you walked in the door. You are also closer to Jesus coming back right now than when you walked in the door. You have no idea that in this, like you may walk out of here right now and your life may be forfeit you. There is a time element to our debts, which are attached to our integrity, that when we owe something somebody to somebody, we need to pay it. That's what we are called to, pay those things off. Here's a, another mental image for you of debt. Um, we recently watched the movie Wild with Reese Witherspoon. You may have seen the movie, you may not. If you haven't seen it, just if you go see it, it has a lot of language in it and some explicit scenes. Um, but it is based on Cheryl Strayed, an actual person in her memoirs. Back in 1995, she took an 1,100-mile hike because she had lost a parent she had gotten to drugs. Her life was a total mess, and she was trying to figure herself out. Problem is, she had never hiked before. All right, so just think of your first hike and make it 1,100 miles by yourself. One of the things that the movie highlights, and she highlights in her book, is how much of a problem her backpack was because she had never loaded one of these things up before. And in the movie, the way they show it is she gets her backpack all set up and she's in the hotel room and she goes to lift it and her arm strength isn't enough to lift her backpack up. She has to get down on the ground, strap into the backpack, and she falls over in it and she uses her legs to kind of push herself up. This is the thing she's going to carry for 1,100 miles. Let me read to you, uh, based off the actual person, not the movie. This is what she put in her backpack. Right? Just think of the journey that she's taking. Fleece pants, 
a sweatshirt, a thermal shirt, two pairs of wool socks, underwear, a sleeping bag, a camp chair, a headlamp, five bungee cords, a water purifier, a tiny collapsible stove, a canister of gas, a small pink lighter, two cooking pots, utensils, a thermometer, a tarp, a snake bite kit, a Swiss army knife, binoculars, a compass, a book called Staying Found in order to teach yourself how to use a compass, a first aid kit, toiletries, a minstrel sponge, a lantern, water bottles, iodine pills, a foldable saw, two pens, three additional books uh, that on top of the other one, and a 200-page sketchbook to use as a journal. As she went through and you watched it on the movie, this backpack was controlling everything. It made her have to stop early because she was too tired. It wore her legs out. There was one point where she had to get by some rocks and she couldn't, so she had to get the backpack off to get past the rocks and then grab the backpack and kind of shove it down and then she put it back on. And it wasn't until she got to one of the places where the hikers would stop and they could get a rest there that the guy running this camp said, what are you doing? Bring all that stuff over here. And they lay it on the table and he starts going, what about this? What is this? Half the stuff she's not even using. She doesn't know why she even has it. She just thought she needed this stuff. And what it's done, it not only has worn her out and made her trip longer, but she shows, she's got these burn marks all over her body from the backpack as it wiggles on her while she's walking. All this stuff that she thought she needed that just weighed her down and hurt her, and she never needed it. She didn't even use half of it. That's debt. Have you ever been paying off a credit card and part of what you're paying off you don't even have anymore and you're still paying for it? In fact, you're paying interest. You're paying more than what it actually cost. And you don't even have the thing anymore. That's debt. It is something that we don't always need that we still think we have to have. And it weighs us down like this backpack and it rubs us raw and it has all this stuff to us. And we don't even need the stuff. That's debt. And that's why Paul says, owe nobody anything. Right? Now, very practically for one moment. There are places where we might need some debt. It would be a guess on my part that nobody in this room could afford to pay cash for their house. Maybe you can, and if you can, please talk to me afterwards. We can talk about tithing. <laughs> but, but most of us, we need a mortgage, and there is nothing wrong with having a mortgage. Remember, the command is literally do not continue to be in debt. It means making headway toward paying something off and this would be my own application of this toward a mortgage. Number one, don't buy more house than you actually need. Because all it does is give you a larger mortgage than what you actually need, and it puts you further in debt and makes it so maybe you can't pay it off. Number two, don't, don't keep taking out loans against your house to do more stuff to your house that you may or may not need that puts you, again, in greater and greater debt. Right? Instead, have a plan. Even if it does take you 30 years, stick to the plan and make sure that you are making headway on your debt and not bringing yourself further into debt because debt is slavery and debt is an integrity issue and there is a timing to debt. So Paul says, don't owe anybody anything. Do not continue to be in debt. Except, and here's the exception. You'd think with all of that, that there'd be no exceptions but it's a little bit like learning English. There's so many exceptions to the English language. This is a hard language to learn because it's like it's this except here and here. And that's not even like that. Hey, this, it feels like here's our exception to the rule. 
owe no one anything except to love each other. Have you ever thought of loving one another as a debt? That's what Paul's saying here. The only debt you are never to get rid of is to love each other. He wants us to think of it in that way, that, that strong, like put ourselves in slavery because that's what debt is, right? Slavery, and so put ourselves there. Um, make sure that like loving each other is an integrity issue and there is a timing factor to it. Have you ever done this? I really need to do something for whoever it is, but I'll get to it later. What if there is no later? Loving people right now, right here as we are. Paul says, this is the debt I want you to have. I want you to take loving one another and treat it like it was a debt in your life and live that way. Pay that thing over and over again. Right? Different image for you. Um, there was a, a, a young man, 14 years old last year. Um, his name is Hunter Gandhi. And Hunter became somewhat famous. Um, he was on the front of Yahoo and a couple other things. And um, because of something that he did. Um, this kid was a good kid. A middle school kid, um, wrestling team, student council, good grades, all of that. But what he became known for is something he did for his little brother. His little brother's seven years old. He has cerebral palsy. And in order to raise awareness, he did something that he's been doing since his brother was really young. He carried his brother on his back but in this case, he did it for 40 miles. Strapped his little brother to his back and took him 40 miles to raise awareness. What his mom said about him was just kind of, it escalated it. They did all these interviews and he started talking about the relationship and these two brothers had a great relationship. That older brother loves his younger brother and his younger brother loves the older brother. In fact, the older brother was saying of the younger one that he's carrying around, this is my inspiration. Um, he comes to all of his wrestling matches. Whenever his brother feels he's getting beaten, he starts thinking about his younger brother and just give him strength. I mean, it's just, there's this great relationship. But the mom came back and said, Hunter does this for everybody. It's who this kid is. It's not just that he treats his seven-year-old brother really, really well. It's that Hunter treats everybody like that. He loves people. But that image, God does want something on your back. Not a backpack that is weighing you down full of stuff that you don't actually need. But people. That's what he wants on our back, people. That we are carrying each other. That we are loving each other. All the other daddy says, no, don't owe this stuff. Get that stuff paid off. Tell the people thank you, you need to tell thank you. Give the money you need to give. Don't let that weigh you down. But there is something I want to be there. People, I want you to love one another as your only debt in life. Why? Why not just get rid of all debt? Why think of this as a debt? Why does it have to be that way? What is so significant, so important about loving one another? Keep going in the text. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now we're adding a whole other dimension to this. Don't owe anybody anything except 
love one another as your only debt. Why? Because when you love one another, you fulfill the law. He gives some more um, kind of explicit explanation. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. He's quoting the 10. If you go back into Exodus 20, he's quoting the 10 commandments here. The first four are more related toward God. The next six are more relational towards people. They are all the do not do this, do not do this. And he's quoting those. But he says, they are all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Take all the commandments. Whether you want to just take those six, whether you want to take all the case laws, 613 of them in the Old Testament. Take all the commandments. So they are all summed up and love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. He looks at it like this. You've got two ways to try to follow the law. One is the law set out, and it's all these negative things. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so what I could do is say, all right, I don't want to steal from Andy. That's breaking the law. I don't want to steal from him. I'm going to focus on not stealing from Andy. And at the same time, I don't want to covet what Chris has. So I'm not going to focus on coveting what Chris has. And there's all these commandments. So that's one way of doing it. But let me give you a different focus. Love each other. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you will do those things. If I love Andy as I love myself, I'm not going to steal from him. In fact, I don't even, I'm not going to steal. No, no, I'm loving him. I'm not going to steal from myself. So I'm not going to steal from him. That is, he says, love each other and you'll fulfill all the commandments in a way that I guarantee you, you won't if you focus on the commandments. There is only so much power in the negative. Let me, I'll give you kind of a little example. We have young kids. We're trying to teach two of them how to swim right now. One of the negatives is keep them away from the pool, the edge of the pool in particular, when you're not with them. That's kind of hard to do at some points. Every once in a while, something distracts you. Every once in a while, you just, oh, wow. And then, you know, even yesterday, he, one of my kids has his floaties on, and he's never done this before, but he flipped upside down. And I wasn't looking at him. Oh! Hey, one is to say, stay away from the edge of the pool. This, here's a different one. Teach him to swim. Then you never have to worry about them falling in or flipping over or anything else. Teach him to swim. Hey, that's what Paul is saying. It's not all the negatives. You can never, I mean, if you listed all those commandments out, just try it sometime. List out all the commandments in the Old Testament. Go, now, let's make sure I do this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. You'll go crazy. Not only that, you'll probably become legalistic. But instead, love people as you love yourself. Right? Listen to Paul. Very famous passage, 1 Corinthians 13. By the way, 1 Corinthians 13 is not a marriage passage. He didn't write it to do weddings. It works well for love, but it's right in between two chapters on spiritual gifts and the way in which a church is divided. And Paul's saying, you need to love like this because this is more important than all your spiritual gifts. But listen to how he describes it. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. 
It bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. Love never ends. Here's what I can say about myself, and this is probably true of you. I never give up on myself ultimately. Sometimes I don't like myself. Sometimes I get irritated at myself, but that's not the final word. I take care of myself. Even when I'm really, really angry at myself, I still go have dinner because I know I need to eat. I mean, I I don't stop taking care of myself. If you were just to love people as you love yourself, you'd fulfill all the commandments. You would do all the things that we're called to do. And that's why Paul says, I want you to think of loving one another. Loving one another as you love yourself as your only debt because you'll fulfill the whole law. Um, When I was about 10 years ago, um, I was larger than I am now. I'm unfortunately not taller. I've always been five foot nine and three quarters. I'd like to be five foot 10, but I can't get there. (laughs) Keep willing it and just doesn't do anything. Um, I'm kind of short. I'm not real large, but 10 years ago, I was much larger than I am now. I had 40 pounds added to my frame. Um, I had this beautiful circle face, like had a diameter, really. I mean, you can measure it like a circle, like a little sun smiling at you. A big circle face I had. Um, and, I, and I didn't even realize it was happening. I mean, just at some point, I'm like, I actually saw a picture of myself and went, who? That's me. I mean, it was that different from what I recognized. I put on 40 pounds. Well, I wanted to lose it. So how do you lose weight? I mean, typically what we think of, I think, is you diet. Let's go on a diet. Let's do some type of diet to lose that weight. So then you go on the diet. You hate the diet. Um, it's making you things you don't want to do. You don't really feel any better about yourself because in some way you're starving yourself of something to lose all the weight. And then you lose all the weight. Yes, I finally did it. Now I'm going to go have a pizza. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why diets don't work. And I tried it. But then I tried something different. Instead of focusing on losing weight by dieting, I focused on getting healthy. Now, that involved some dieting and exercise and sleep. I mean, all kinds of things. I focused on getting healthy. And you know what? A byproduct of getting healthy was losing the weight. But it was also having more energy and like seeing life better and and getting healthier in my back. I mean, all kinds of things happened from this. I didn't focus on all those things. I just tried to get healthy. Paul is saying that healthy is loving your neighbor as yourself. That is spiritual health. And all the rest of those things are byproducts of it. You won't steal. You won't ultimately hold grudges. You will forgive over time. There's all these things that will happen because you are loving your neighbor as yourself. That's his call for us. And that is why he says, treat this like a debt. This is the only debt I want you to have. Love your neighbor as yourself and you will fulfill the law. A command Oh, no one anything, with one exception. Love your neighbor as yourself. Make it your only debt. Why? Because in that way, you'll actually fulfill the law better than if you focus on fulfilling the law. In fact, it may be the only way you'd ever do it, by loving each other. My uh, neighbor, who lives across the courtyard from me, um, I think he's a neat guy. Um, I'm not totally sure because all we really ever do is we do the man greeting, kind of nod of the head, do that. We hardly even wave at each other. We're just going, hey. Um, I've never met him. Um, I've never gone and shaken his hand. I've never, like, tried to love my neighbor. And I just, hey, little nod of the head there. And I thought this morning I was feeling very convicted. Like, I need to love my neighbor. I need to, like, 
how do I love somebody I can't even get to know? And like every Sunday, where are they going? Hey. No, no hand, no, just hey. Like, I should go meet this guy. Well, as I was getting ready to go meet him, my wife texts and she says, please call me. You need to talk about something. Well, she was leading worship this morning. I thought, whatever's happening, I better talk to her because she may be freaked out about something. So I go inside, make a phone call, come back out. Whew, he was already gone, so I didn't have to go talk to him. All right. Next week, next week, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to him. Um, but there really is opportunities for us to love each other. Um, not, not opportunities just to keep waiting, to keep nodding at the idea of loving each other, but really loving each other. Um, and and, I, and I, it's as simple as going over there and shaking this guy's hand and saying, hey, how are you doing, and getting to know him a little bit. It's as simple as going up to that person and saying, hey, I, I'm really sorry I did this. I, I shouldn't have, and I should have told you that a while back. Um, it's as simple as going up and saying, here's the money that I owe you. Um, all of these things are part of it. Love your neighbor as yourself and owe nobody anything but that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for doing whatever it took to bring us into relationship with you and continuing to love us, care for us, walk with us. Lord, help us to get rid of our debts, uh, to take seriously the way in which that debt can enslave us and look for how we can pay people whatever we may owe them. Accept love. Lord, Lord, put on us what it means to love each other, how important, how significant that really is to living out the Christian life, to love one another as ourselves, that we might fulfill what you have for us. We ask this in Christ's name, amen.